Hey, this is Christopher Nishida, bassist for Kyle Smith, and you've been listening to Bradley's House Podcast. Hello, guys. Welcome back. Come on in. Make yourself at home as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. She is the executive director of the Knoll Family Foundation and our host, Ms. Kelly Knoll. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Jared. How are you? Super excited. Another awesome episode of Bradley's House underway. Uh, I always get excited for recording day. I know just like you do, too. I do. Uh, I do. Today's been lovely. I've actually had a relaxing day, which is a tad unusual for me. So it's been fabulous. I'm, I'm raring to go now. It's been one of those Sundays for me where, like, if somebody were to ask me right now what I did today, I don't have an answer. (laughs) So like now we're recording the podcast. We'll have an answer. <laughs> okay, good. Because I'm not sure. I just, I know I like, I stared at a lot of things on my phone. I think there was a nap at some point, but um, <laughs> I, I don't feel like I have a comp. But you want to know why? It's because I had to get ready for this. You got right. to gear up for moments like this, Kelly, because week in and week out, we have all of these different amazing guests from all these different avenues of life, and they all kind of lead back to the same thing. And uh, that is your brother. Yes. And, Today is no exception. Uh, a guest that we have been trying to get together with since the start of this podcast, and we are finally able to do it. Uh, someone that I am super excited to speak with uh, and hear a little bit about their past and kind of catch up on what they're doing now. Kelly, who is our house guest? Today we have someone, like you said, that we've been talking about having on the show ever since we started. He has been on our list ever since the beginning, and I'm so excited that this day has finally come. I think a lot of listeners are going to be surprised to know that Brad was actually in a few other bands prior to Sublime, and our guest today was in one of them with Brad. From Sloppy Seconds, we have our dear friend Eric Ward with us today. Eric, thank you for joining us. Kelly, Jarrett, it's, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to hang out in the house. Absolutely. So you go way back, obviously, with Brad, since we all know the history of Sublime, and you predate that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you and Brad met? Yeah. So uh, Brad and I were in a, in a band together, uh, Eric Wilson, uh, uh, Ruth, Ted, Tom, uh, a bunch of us. We were in a band called uh, Sloppy Seconds. And uh, we met in uh, Long Beach. So we were all from Long Beach, so beach area, all south, you know, facing. And this was in uh, the early 80s. This was like in, uh, I don't even know, I'm so old now. Uh, I have to sometimes get the calculator out, Jared and Kelly. You know, you know how it is. Um, uh, but I'll let the fact checkers uh, get to this. But, you know, this is, this is the, the uh, mid-80s. So this is like uh, 84, 85, right? The hardcore scene is taking off. We're starting to get some of the first ska bands. Uh, the Untouchables, right? Fishbone is, is uh, reigning supreme in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, all, we all meet. I mean, it's a weird story. So I'm like, you know, I'm at home one day and I get a call. 
uh, from a friend, Ted. He's my best friend. And he says, you know, Tom's got a couple of guys at his house. And, uh, you know, they, they want to play uh, reggae. Well, at the time, I'm just into uh, ska and, and punk. I, I like reggae, but that's not what I was looking to do. And I was like a singer. But uh, Ted convinced me to come over. And I walk up the, the driveway. And that's how I meet uh, Bradley and, and Eric for the first time. Bradley's mm. got his guitar strapped over him. Uh, Eric's smoking over uh, uh, by the bass amp. And Tom's behind the drums. And we just start uh, jamming, right? This is one of the things we, we, we learn about Bradley. He's just so creative and uh, spontaneous in, in his magic. But we all start jamming. I start trying to sing on top of it as the best we can and uh we stop and we look at each other and we all said uh this is it and mm-hmm. that was the start of sloppy seconds i love that where did you guys practice so we practiced uh in tom's garage right was uh where where we first practiced uh, uh in long beach and then by that time uh ted and i were rooming uh, up by Java Lane. So uh, just, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I can't even remember, Loma, I think it was, Loma Avenue. And we had a, a duplex over there with another uh, a guy who was living there. And uh, we practiced in the living room. So I was out of school. I was working over at the uh, uh, Union 76 station over mm-hmm. off of uh, Las Cali's ligament, throwing out like Long Beach <laughs> references, like, yeah. like everyone's running around Long Beach right now. But <laughs> anyway, so, so uh, we're right roommates. So we're practicing sometimes in my living room. Right. But uh, here's the deal. They would get out of school and I would be home and they would come over to want to practice. But I, but I wouldn't practice until uh, I was into days of our lives that summer. Right. <laughs> And uh, it, it had like this storyline and I didn't want to interrupt the storyline. And oh so I my planned gosh. my whole work schedule uh, around days of our lives, including our practice. So I would wow. meet Bradley and, and Eric and Tom, uh, whoever else was there. They had to shut up and watch <laughs> days of our lives and then we would practice afterwards. I love that. You know, Eric, we, uh, we talk about a lot of serious topics and I've asked a lot of serious questions on this podcast, but maybe none as serious as this right now. So yeah. I need you to relax and take a deep breath. And I know all the fans are with me. Um, where the fuck are these sloppy seconds tapes? Because we hear <laughs> it. Understand that they probably exist, that somebody has, what is going on with you? Yeah. Yeah. Look, 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 uh, are there, you know, uh, the mystery is never going to be solved. We know, <laughs> here's what we know, Jared. We know that uh, there were cassettes, that these uh, practices and some of these shows, right, were actually recorded. So we know there's, there's audio out there, right? But this was on cassette, man. These, we were like recording right off of like cassette recorders this is the 80s right so it's so it's not like new technology good mics so there are cassettes out there i'm 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 sure of it i'm sure there are cassettes uh are they in condition that are playable that's hard to know do people know where they are right i i had copies of of uh six rehearsals but i lost them in a, a storage flight right oh. so i know there's other folks who think they have them I think we'll see one someday. I think one 
will appear and folks will get kind of the, the genius that uh, Brad was trying to unfold, right, with, with his music and that a lot of us got to be a, a part of, right? We got to contribute in this now, good uh, bowl of gumbo. Is that wishful thinking or is this because you have some insider information that you're subtly hinting at? No, I just think, <laughs> just trying to no, clarify. Because now everyone's going to be messaging me. Don't message yeah. me. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, you can message me, but this is not a question I can answer. What I can tell you is I do not have audio recordings and, uh, they were, they were lost, but there were other, other folks had, right. There there would be tape recorders just running. We were all recording, right. There were just, it was a, uh, era of music that was, uh, quite phenomenal right and i think like any good band any good set of musicians right whether they're like have known their instruments for a hundred years right or or two days everyone is is seeking kind of that moment where all the walls of music genre fall right Mm -hmm. and you get the space to like try new things or be influenced by other things right we we call ourselves sloppy seconds because like we, we, we basically, we loved, we were giving respect to the music we loved. We covered tons of music because we loved it. It spoke to us It it bonded us. And I think uh, today, right, what, what we know is that energy is still out there. And if you heard these tapes, if they ever appear, what you're going to hear is the earliest days of uh, the unfolding of uh, music without bounds. And uh, I hope they show up someday. I'm, I'm wishing along with everyone else, but we haven't found any yet. But as soon as we do, we're not holding out on folks. If we so, ever find some, we promise we'll get them out. Okay. Give us a... Uh, <laughs> you can hear Bradley singing, singing Cure songs. You know? That's what I'm going to uh, say. Give us yeah. an idea of, of what, what a sloppy second set would have sounded like. You guys are setting up. You're jamming. What 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 array of songs might we have heard? Yeah, so you know, uh, if we were setting up, you would have heard uh, uh, first of us uh, probably arguing, right? We had we had a lot of energy, we had a lot of ideas. So whatever we were doing, we were probably arguing about it uh, uh, because we like to argue with one another, right? It it was uh, just the creativity. But once we got set up, once we started going. Music you would have heard, Jarrett, was uh, The Selector, right? Too Much Pressure, Bob Marley, uh, uh, One Drop, or uh, Stand Down Margaret by the, the English Beat, right? But you would, have, you would have heard songs by XTC, right? Um, uh, you would have heard Cure songs, right? We, we were trying to meld stuff. And what we were into was uh, a punk, right? Uh, a pop. Right. But like, you know, punk pop, uh, uh, the jam, stiff little fingers, right. That power pop and uh, hardcore. Right. So we were trying to blend it all together. That's what we heard. Even um, uh, bands like the police. Right. We were influenced by the early police music. Right. But Fishbone really shifted that up. Stiff little fingers. Right. Those were folks who were telling us we could cross these genres with the music we love. That's what you would have heard. Uh, you would have definitely heard a couple of Fishbone songs because we were uh, deeply influenced uh, uh, by Fishbone's creativity. Sounds like uh, an amazing array of music and pretty much what we would expect. Um, so what happens with, 
you you go over there, you meet Brad. Outside of playing music, what were some of the Again, it's not often other than Kelly. She's the only one that really knew him when he was young that we've had on the podcast. What was a young Brad Noel like? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Bradley was fun to, to, to hang out with. Right. Uh, I think he had different relationships with with uh, uh, different folks. And and so my relationship with Bradley is uh, uh, he and I bonded very quickly, like on on reggae. Uh, uh, and Scott, I was a roots, right? Where, where my, if I had a love for reggae, it was uh, a roots reggae, right? But really, I was a ska kid. So I was into like two-tone, right? The Untouchables, uh, Fishbone, Bad Manners, right? Um, you know, No Doubt, you know, was, was just getting underway, right? There was not a real big uh, ska scene. And I was trying to, to drink up all the ska I could find. And that included early skinhead reggae, right? Toots and the Maytals and others. But like Bradley really introduced me into uh, dance hall, right? He, he was really into uh, uh, Pato Bonton, who I know is, is still out there. And that's really where we bonded. And so Bradley and I, like our conversations revolved around music, right? It revolved around kind of just trying to understand uh, uh, the world in in a broader way, right? We were we were kids who got thrown together in this brief moment in uh, American history. It's a wild moment, but it's actually this powerful moment. So there's this moment, Jared and, and Kelly, where. Uh, segregation falls right in the united states but it falls in the school systems in uh, los angeles and and long beach right and uh, for a moment all of us are kind of they, they put in this busing program and that's good or bad but the but the result is is like we're thrown like on these campuses together right and uh, a lot of us right hadn't really interacted with one another across class lines across uh, race, right, Eth ethnicity, and here we are kind of thrown on campus, and so the easiest thing was to kind of silo back, right, into kind of our groupings, and of course we did that into what you know, but there was this moment uh, where the space opened up, where our parents weren't really watching what we were doing, and you know, when you're in high school, you in junior high school, you just want to belong, and then this, you know, music appears, punk, right? Hip hop, right? New wave. It just shows up like disco. All of this stuff just shows up. And so for a moment, right? Music becomes more important to us for some of us, right? Than our actual identities of, of race, gender, religion, right? We're, we're punk rockers, right? We're, we're ska kids. We're rockabilly. We're hardcore and skinheads, right? Whatever that is. And it becomes more important than anything else. And for Bradley, right, he wanted to take it one step further, right? He wanted to break down all of those genre walls. And that's what it was like uh, uh, being with Bradley. He was a lot of energy. He was creative, right? He, he dealt and struggled with depression, right? Like a lot of us, he felt alienated. He felt like he belonged. He was all the things like uh, young people were. Uh, but what he understood was like, he wanted to find ways to, to make things that brought people together, that made people's days better. And uh, he put his energy into that and it came out in his music and, 
in powerful ways. It's how we figured out the world. So it was great. It was, uh, uh, that was a long answer to say uh, it was a really magical time. And there's lots of great memories and, and, and stories. But it was, uh, uh, what I would say is what it was like was the ability right, to, to create uh, uh, and to change the games of the, uh, the rules of the game. And with that, new possibilities started to arise. I'm so glad you brought up the changes that were happening, you know, across racial lines at the time, too, because I do think we see a lot of that reflected in Brad's later music. But, you know, that really impacted him deeply. And, and that was a big part of it. You know, so many people recognize that Long Beach is this great big melting pot. But it was during that time when that was all just sort of melding together. And I think that that was as much of an influence on the music, like you said, as as all the other stuff that was going around. But it was really, it was a, a very powerful motivator. But I, I totally think you nailed something on the head, too, when you said that you started to be defined by by your music and the musical taste and the music that you gravitated to and how that change occurred. And that, I think, is a very universal thing as well, like we all go through that at some point we start to identify with music and we realize that other people can, can express the same things we're feeling or the same things we've gone through or completely foreign things and introduce us to things. And, and I do think that for Brad, that was a big part of the music and definitely getting into that sound that you guys were starting to create was a big part of where he went from there. It, it was. And, and, uh, I mean, you, you think about like, we were just, we were just open. We just, uh, wanted to find, uh, uh, a new way, right? Uh, uh, new ways forward. And, and you think about some of the, the early blending of, of, uh, a music, right? In, in sloppy seconds, right? That's the earliest, right? Like really, if, if folks could actually, I'm going to go back to these tapes, right? Like I'm going to tease folks for a second. If you could hear these tapes. Right. You, you, you would see why we were called sloppy seconds. Right. We were still learning. We were like we were literally learning our instruments in some ways, learning how to how to be in bands. Uh, uh, Eric and, and Bradley had had been in bands before, but a lot of us hadn't. So we were figuring that piece out. We were trying to figure out what we were saying. And you see like this, this moment where things come together and I'm not here to paint rainbow, rainbows, not, not all of it, right. Was as, as we know, right. Not all of it was healthy. Right. Uh, 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 but there was a lot of beauty in this, right. Kelly, we, we, we would go to shows and uh, we go watch the red hot chili peppers, like open up for grandmaster flash right? One night. And, and then the, the, wow. the next week, right? Watch Fishbone open up for, for the Red Hot Chili Peppers yes. or uh, uh, the Butthole Surfers uh-huh. right? with uh, uh, Jane's Addiction, right? Uh, opening up for the Butthole Surfers. It just, uh, people were just trying to fill out the music. So, so you're right. The, the music spoke to us in, in a way that the rest of society uh, uh, really couldn't. And what the music told us was uh, um, to do it yourself, right? Don't, don't wait for others to tell you uh, uh, what you can achieve. If you have an idea, lean into it, try it out. That failure was, was okay. Failure was how we also learned. And uh, uh, that's what you see in uh, Sublime's music. 
So you guys are playing. It's the mid to late 80s. We all know that Sublime got started in 88. What why did what happened with Sloppy Seconds? Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're forming this band. So uh you know what happens is the war on drugs, right? Uh is part of it. There's lots of different things that that go down, but we'll, I have to talk about some of the broader pieces because I'm a social activist and folks will uh wonder what I think. So I think a number of things are happening, right? So there's this moment where uh you have uh white kids, right, white youth, who are kind of broadening their identities, right, and uh, a real generational change. Gen Xers are, are, are pretty on their own. We're left to our devices, and we're kind of figuring this out on our own, and uh, uh, these youth, right, regardless of whether they lived in the suburbs or in the inner city, whether they were homeless or not, right, they were getting harassed by the police, based off of how they looked, right? It wasn't safe to be a punk rocker. Uh, folks forget, right? Uh, punk rockers got beat up all the time, walking around the city, driving around the city at, at shows. It wasn't just other punk rockers, right? Like folks who dress like cowboys, right? Even like long-haired hippies, right? Would jump uh, uh, punk rockers. And uh, no more so than, than law enforcement at times in that era, uh, law enforcement would be brutal to punk rockers. And I remember, like, as, as a black kid, we used to joke, like, look, the police are treating white kids like they like they treat us. And so all of this is, is happening in, in the city. So on one hand, you have all these young people who are crafting a new identity, right, that they find more important than race and all of these other limitations that are placed on us in society. And then you have kind of this backlash to it, right? That this idea of punk rock is dangerous. There's an old uh, chip uh, uh, TV series about California Highway Patrol. And I think there's an episode that's like the punk rocker, right? The after the Wednesday afternoon special did one on, on punk rockers. Punk rockers were dangerous in, in society's eyes. And I think, right, what, what, what happened is there was a moment where there was a backlash against uh, being youth and, and uh, demographics were changing. So we had this war on drugs that was happening uh, in California that was really brutal and ripping apart communities. You had the defunding of public schools. And the first things that got hit were like the arts and music programs, right? So, so folks had less space to be creative together across lines. So all this is happening. There's a recession, right? I'm just trying to keep food on, on my table and a roof over my head. I was working a minimum wage job and uh, it was hard to keep it together. And things were, were uh, we were having a hard time, right? There's new things were flooding in. It wasn't just uh, a pot anymore. It was uh, crystal meth was showing up, right? Um, uh, 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 LSD was showing up. Uh, uh, crack cocaine was showing up, right? Opium. There was just harder drugs that were starting to to make an appearance, and we were kids who were curious, and and uh, we experimented, and we didn't often know the the limits of of that experimentation. And ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, what breaks up sloppy seconds first is I have some friends who are moving up to Eugene, Oregon, and they asked me if I wanted to go. 
And I said no at first. And uh, uh, one night I was working and a song by the specials came on, on uh, uh, KNAC, I think it was, or KROQ or 91X, one of those radio stations we would listen to. And it was Do Nothing by the Specials. And about halfway through that song, I picked up the phone and I called my friend who was moving up to Eugene. And I said, I'm moving up with you. Because I, as I was listening to that song, I realized if, if I didn't leave, uh, I wasn't going to live uh, to see my 30s, uh, that I was going to die. I, I just knew I was going to die in, in Southern California. I didn't want to die uh, uh, where I was born. And uh, I, I remember telling everyone I was leaving Ted who also was in the band, uh, ended up moving with me. Uh, and I remember having this conversation with Bradley, and I've talked about this with other folks. When, when I told Brad I was leaving, I was moving up, he asked me, he said, what about the band? And uh, it was the first time, like, it really hit me, right, that, that Bradley had uh, much bigger plans. And uh, it had to give away. If there was no sloppy seconds there there wouldn't have been a sublime and uh there needed to be a sublime that's an interesting perspective i think there were now let me ask you this did you get involved in the whole drug scene before you left oh yes i mean uh all, all of us were right i mean uh uh i mean we were barely keeping uh uh, some of us were barely keeping roofs over our heads, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you'd go uh, uh, two, three days without eating sometimes. You just, you know, you were, you were just, you're just a kid. And, uh, uh, you know, I just think we've started to find, uh, I think for most of us first, it, it was pot, right? And uh, a pot and, and uh, fortified wine and, uh, uh, fortified beer, right? Like old English and, you know, all malt liquors, all these things. And that's what we, we would drink, right? We, we, we would have, uh, uh, huge parties in, in, uh, uh, Long Beach. And so it, it didn't take long for what was happening in the larger society to kind of move in. And so abs- absolutely, I can tell you just, uh, 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 stupid stories of, of things we did. Uh, things, you know, I, I continue to do, like I, I tell folks, you know, all the time, I, I don't think folks believe me because I'm, I'm nice, right? I was probably the nicer, shyer kid in, in our grouping. Kelly, you know, we could get into a lot of trouble at times. And, uh, but, you know, I come, I come out of uh, poverty and I come out of the punk scene and as beautiful as it was, it was uh, dysfunctional. And uh, we did things that were harmful to each other and uh, harmful to ourselves. And the abuse of like uh, some really terrible drugs, sometimes for experimentation, right? Uh, uh, sometimes because it curbed hunger, sometimes because our friends were doing it, was uh, very real. And it's it's one of my guilts, right? I I wonder sometimes, uh, I know that's, that's not the way life is, but you can't help. I was probably one of the, the more, uh, 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 saner, uh, mm. uh, when it, when it came to, to, to drugs. And, uh, but I did a lot of drugs then. Right. And, uh, 
so did uh, everyone else. And, um, you know, I wish we could go back and, and reshape that because I, I think it took away uh, from some of the creativity and, and, and magic, you know? Mm. I believe it also informed a lot of the music that people relate to, you know, obviously not such a good thing for the people playing the music and going through that, but it does allow for um, a lot of, you know, relatable lyrics, relatable music, things that can really impact people and touch people in a real genuine way. And I wonder how much of that, all of that impacted your decision to become a social activist. You, you know, it had, it had a huge impact, right? I mean, I, uh, I tell folks like, you know, I, I grew up in conservative Long Beach, California. I joined the Navy at uh, the age of 17, right? Uh, I knew I was going to go into the Navy at the age of 14. That's where I was, right? And, and uh, I, this, is, this is why even as a social activist, I, I, I tell folks, right, uh, anti-racism has never been about uh, left or right politics, or conservative or, or liberal politics. I grew up in a community with folks who were anti-racist, right? And, and we were trying to figure that out in the, the best ways that, that we could be. And sometimes we had assistance from, from parents who, who just gave us space. They may not have had an answer either, but they gave us the space. I, I think of uh, Jim, right? And, uh, you know, Jim would let us rehearse uh, uh, at, at the house, right? Uh, he didn't have to do that. A bunch of kids he didn't know, not even from uh, Bradley's neighborhood, compiling up in, in, into his house. But, but he did, he like extended that space that, that gave us space to kind of work through things. And so it, it did have an, it did have an influence, right? We, we went to shows, we, we had to deal with uh, uh, neo-Nazi skinheads or uh, uh, racist punk rockers, right? Who, who didn't know uh, uh, better, who came there to, to terrorize folks. And it had a huge impact. And, and so did, right, the, the experience of, of having to, to create things together. It, it made us have, uh, uh, we may not have had like the experience to have the sophisticated conversations that a lot of people have, right? But uh, being in a space to create together and to, to share experiences, to find out that we had things in, in common, right? We, we struggled with loneliness, right? We, we, we struggled with, uh, um, right, wanting, wanting like something more in life. We, we, we struggled with like a lot of the same questions and being in that space helped us kind of figure those things out uh, uh, together and some of the ways we did were, were healthy, and some of the ways uh, uh, were, were were unhealthy. Uh, uh, but the space was invaluable. I wouldn't be who I am today uh, if I hadn't been shaped uh, by those relationships. And those were my friends, uh, and uh, I consider them uh, uh, still my friends uh, my entire life, uh, whether they're still here with us or or not. And the things that I do today. Uh, uh, reflect the shaping of my friends. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you do today. Yeah. So I'm a civil rights organizer. Uh, um, uh, I am a senior uh, fellow at the Southern Poverty Law Center. 
and a senior advisor at Western State Center. I work with communities uh, around the country to, to respond to uh, hate violence and, and hate crimes uh, uh, through education, uh, uh, training. And uh, for the last 30 years, I've, I've taken on that role, both within nonprofit organizations uh, uh, and within philanthropy and supporting culture makers as well. That's incredible. I mean, there's, there's so much that you do. And I think, um, I think it's really incredible how you've taken all of those past experiences and turned it into something positive and that allows you to make a difference in people's lives. I definitely commend you for that. I, um, thank you so much. It is, uh, an amazing thing to be able, uh, uh, to give back and, that's what we see with uh, Bradley's House and the No Family Foundation uh, uh, as well, right? It's, it's, it's a way of giving back around uh, a really powerful story that, you know, gets shaped in a lot of different ways, right? The, the media has its own story of, of sublime and, uh, you know, they mm. tell it in, in their own ways. Uh, but there's, there is this story of, of Long Beach, uh, that is told, I think, through the the story of Sublime it's, itself. I think Sublime represents uh, uh, all the hard and uh, amazing parts uh, of that evolution. But it's a it's a powerful moment, and I hope those moments get replicated. I hope we learn and and do less harm, right? Right to to ourselves, right? We can do that in ways that are healthy for us. But uh, we can still recreate these these moments, these opportunities that allow us to do something really brave in this country, which is mm. uh, uh, to come together and uh, to find things that are more important to us than uh, uh, these illusions of, of race, gender, and, and right. class. Things that divide us. Things that divide us. Yeah, there's so much. Where do you live now? So I'm Portland, Oregon, uh, uh, not not too far. So I left. Long Beach in, in 86 and, and came up to Oregon uh, uh, and was up in Oregon for a while and then uh, was in Seattle and uh, then Chicago and, and New York and back to uh, uh, Portland, Oregon. It's, it's funny, Kelly and, and Jarrett, I actually don't go back to Long Beach very much. Uh, really? It was, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I'll come to Southern California and I'll make plans to, to, oh, you know, let me see what's going on. And it's rare that I come back to Long Beach, the, the memories, right. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, because I left in 86, mm. right. I kind of, my story kind of ends there. I, I see Brad, I see Eric, right. And I see Miguel and others a few more times in, in uh, uh, Seattle. And, and then there's the, the famous Eugene story at, at Max's uh, mm. uh, that ends with the, the police circling my, my apartment building, and like in, in true like sloppy seconds fashion. Right? <laughs> we never had a show that was broken up, that wasn't broken up by uh, the police. Right. Uh, that sloppy <laughs> seconds claim to claim. And uh, uh, we kept it real when we got back together in, in uh, Long in, um Eugene, Oregon, but, but we only saw each other, you know, a, a few times. So, so we caught up and of course we would chat by phone every now and then, but you know, I, I'm a, 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 such an introvert, believe it or not, that, you know, 
it's it's my stories are still fresh to me, yeah. even though it ended in um, uh, uh, eighty six. So when I go back, it just all the memories well up, oh, right? Sure. Uh, uh, to that point, and so I love when I go down there, and it's also just very full of emotions. Mm. When was the last time you saw Brad? So the last time I saw Brad was. Uh, was at uh i think it was under was it was either the off ramp or under the rails in uh uh seattle so we had seen each other i feel like earlier at, at a couple of the warp tours mm-hmm. um uh there was the anti uh uh, uh against racism bo- uh, a booth that was being run by a plea for for peace and the positive youth uh, foundation mike parks hanking pickle those folks. And uh, so we crossed paths there. And of course, I saw him at Bumper Shoot in Seattle. But the last time I saw Sublime must have been, it, it, it wasn't too long before. And uh, we were sitting at one of the tables just outside the, the uh, stage area. And, uh, um, you know, he had been uh, clean for a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, you know, he told me, uh, uh, that night, right. That, that he had relapsed and, uh, uh, like we talked about it. And then the next time I heard he, he was doing, he was doing well, but it was the, the last time I, I talked to him and we spent the evening uh, talking about Linton Crazy Johnson, right. That's mm-hmm. that, because that was Brad and I, we, we, we talked and we communicated, uh, uh, via what we were listening to. And so we talked a little bit about that. We talked a little bit about how I was doing. Uh, uh, we talked a little bit about the criminalization of, of drugs and, you know, how that is making, uh, uh, uh life harder, uh, uh, for, for everyone, uh, including those, um, uh, within, uh, trying to, to deal with recovery, right? Who get criminalized mm-hmm. rather than helped. And, uh, we kind of just had those conversations, but, it was the last time, and then I, I got the news. I was uh, uh, in my apartment and uh, uh, listening to the radio, and uh, the news came up, and uh, that's that's when I knew we had lost Brad. Wow. Well, I think it's really it's really special that you have these memories, and um, you know that you were a part of those early times, and that you allowed it to form you. In, in such a positive way. Did you continue, did you listen to Sublime's music or was it, did it bring up too many old memories? No, I, I, I still, I still listen. There's, there's some songs that, uh, 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 bring up, uh, 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 strong memories, but I'm, yeah. I'm still, uh, uh, it was, uh, uh, a band that, uh, uh, I got to pre-birth and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and they did phenomenal things. And, uh, I still, I still listen to it. I'm, I'm never going to stop listening to Sublime. They're part of my reggae, uh, Scott nice. Punk world. Abs- yes. Absolutely. And what, what other kinds of things do you listen to these days? You know, I'm still listening to a lot. So I still listen to a lot of, uh, 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 reggae, right. We were also, uh, uh, Roberto, uh, uh, if, if, if he hears this, right. So, uh, uh, 
Roberto, who did Reggae Revolution on KNAC, oh, and yeah. then uh, on on uh, K Rock, uh, like really raised us on so much reggae. And so I still listen to a lot of 70s and 80s reggae that I was raised on uh, by Roberto. But I still listen to like new reggae. I still listen to to, to new bands. Right, the the interrupters are are, are one I'm, I'm I'm really excited about. Of course, like all the bands, uh, 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 Long Beach Dub All Stars, like the 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 new album, right, is just uh, a phenomenal. People are still out there doing the thing, and there's still new bands being influenced by Sublime, right? I I get a note every once in a while from from someone. Uh, or I'll see a post, right, about what the music has meant to them, how it's mm. helped them get through, like, a, 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 another day, right? Uh, uh, I, I love what's happening, right? People people are attracted to Sublime's music. They're not worshiping the, the bad stories as if they want to live it out, right? It's, mm. it's telling us where we've been, right? And, and reminding us also about the places we want to go, right? And uh, uh, places that are healthy. And, and so I'm still very much listening to ska and reggae, still listening to punk, right? Still listening to Americana and folk, which we grew up on AM radios, right? In, in Long Beach, mm-hmm. still listening to hip hop, right? Uh, there's no genres that uh, yes. we're not listening to. And, and okay. that's, that's the power of, of, uh, of this, of this movement. Well, Eric, let me tell you, there is a, uh, <clears throat> There's a young musician actually out of Long Beach right now who is um, really bending genres again with the different types of music that influence his current songwriting. And uh, some of it's actually going to be coming out very soon. And you might be excited to check it out. The young man's name is Jacob Knoll. And uh, (laughs) it's, uh, it's really amazing how... Um, you know, he's not, his music doesn't sound like his dad's music necessarily, but yeah. in the voice at times, it's impossible not to hear it and get a little bit of a chill, but he really is just writing these songs that are influenced by so many different genres and styles. And, um, I, I think for what you're saying, like there is no genre, it's just, uh, I think you're going to be excited to hear uh, to hear Brad's son playing some of his music. It's been, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to show up at a show and uh, uh, be quiet in the back, uh, hmm. uh, 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 or or you know, it it wouldn't be unlikely to slip in and slip out of someone's show. And uh, I didn't I didn't want to you know I always try to treat uh, Jacob uh, uh, with respect because. You're, you're right. He's he's his own musician, and uh, folks should hear him uh, because you're going to hear uh, what I think is uh, just this dynamite musician who is doing stuff with music that is uh, really powerful, and uh, his voice, right? Uh, 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 it's just if you get a chance, uh, check out Jacob. No. Uh, uh, to to see him because you're going to mm-hmm. see an incredible performance. Uh, uh, that's what I'll say about that. And then someday I'm going to have the courage to slip into one of those shows and and introduce myself. Uh, uh, but uh, look, I think 
uh, Jacob has tapped into, into something, right? Which is don't allow yourself to be defined, right? Uh, 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 don't allow uh, others to limit your, your music. And uh, uh, that is uh, a lesson from, from yes. Long Beach Sublime. Yeah. And again, he's, uh, he's certainly on his own path. He's certainly doing his own thing. Um, but there's just moments where you, uh, you can see musically like this is his, this is his father's son. I mean, he's, uh, one minute it's, you know, he's, it's tool and it's this rock. And then, I mean, I watched him play outcast on a guitar the other day. So. <laughs> Um, That's right. And, and break down just uh, uh, the acoustic. Right. Uh, now it's uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, uh, to that to that West Coast uh, uh, tour uh, uh, on the album. It's 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 going to be good. I'll be there. Folks, come up. And if, if you see me, uh, uh, I, I'll be at a few of those shows and folks should come up and say hello. Fantastic. You said you live in Portland. Like, do you actually live in Portland, or are you in a suburb? No, no, no. I'm a city kid. I mean, no, no disrespect to the suburbs, <laughs> but um, uh, like, really, no, no, no disrespect. Uh, there's great things about the suburbs. We we would have uh, only had uh, uh, three house shows if it hadn't been for homes in the in the suburbs. So, uh, 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 like, not. I just asked because I live in a suburb of Portland, so I'm very familiar with the area. Yeah, yeah. So, so no, I'm 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 like straight straight in 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 the city, uh, uh, and it's and it's uh, it's it's beautiful, right? It's it's interesting. We're having like shifts here, like the actual fastest growing city in uh, uh, Oregon isn't Portland, Oregon. It's a, a city just east of Portland called uh, Gresham. Right. And so there's all these kind of interesting configurations here. And I hope I hope it uh, uh, gets expressed in the arts. But yeah, man, uh, uh, more reggae. Right. More reggae shows here. More more ska, more more ska and reggae DJs. Uh, It'll be nice. And it'll be nice to see Sublime family coming up and through. Absolutely. Kelly, don't say what I say when I say (laughs) it. (laughs) <laughs> thanks I'm just I it's funny I know you said this before too sometimes Jared that you forget that you're actually hosting a podcast because you get so caught up in listening <laughs> and that's yeah. happened to me several times now I'll be just like listening like waiting to hear the next thing and then all of a sudden I'm like oh shit I think I'm supposed to say something um but yeah Eric it's been just delightful having you on the podcast thank you so much for taking the time with us and, uh, you know, I, I followed a little bit of your career through Facebook and just seeing all the things you're doing. I'm so proud of you because you're really standing up for things that are important to you and to so many other people that you are a voice for so many that don't have one. And I think that is a, a tremendously noble pursuit. And I'm, I'm very proud of you for everything that you've come through and for using it to, to really inform your future instead of, you know, just ignoring it and forgetting it and, um, I think it's great. And I, I, I really commend you for that. And, uh, and of course, it's always nice to talk with someone that knew Brad and, and has those, you know, the stories of course there's always good and bad, but um, right. there's just, there's something really comforting about, you know, talking with someone who's, who's been around for so long and, and who knows all that kind of stuff. And so thank you so much. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. 
all that stuff Kelly said. Uh, also, <laughs> let's find those tapes, man, because <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I totally agree with everything Kelly said. Like I said, I've uh, I've been so excited to be able to have you on uh, since the beginning of the podcast, and uh, I've been able to follow you through Facebook as well. You're doing amazing things out there, and it's just really cool to be able to hear some of the, the early stories and, and kind of find a little bit out about how uh, a lot of our favorite bands kind of got their kind of got their start, and you had a lot of insight on it. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time and sharing some of these stories. Appreciate you all, and look, uh, uh, appreciate all the fans and, and supporters of Sublime and, and Bradley mm-hmm. House and, and the Family Foundation. Right. Uh, uh, and love to the family for sharing Brad with so many of us. And Kelly, sister, uh, uh, love to you. Much love to you, Eric. Thank you so much. Have a great Bye. night. Thanks, Eric. Bye, Jared. Well, Kelly, we mentioned in the opening that since the beginning of the Bradley's House podcast, Eric Ward has been on our list and Boy, was he worth the wait. Uh, I think that that podcast could have been four or five hours long. Just so awesome to to hear from him and hear the stories. And it's got to be kind of cool for you to see people that you knew and saw around when you guys were young and out there doing some of the amazing things that Eric's doing. Absolutely. He's such a great guy. And I'm so stoked about all the great stuff that he's got going on. He's just a, a great example of someone who is putting to action the things that he believes in and, um, and he's doing some, some good stuff. So it was really fun to have him come on and talk about the old days. He's got such an interesting perspective on things. It was, yeah, I agree. I could have talked to him for hours. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So happy that we could finally do that. So Eric, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, anybody else who has listened to this podcast uh, and heard it and understands the story. um, I just want to go ahead and ask if you know where these sloppy seconds tapes are, you send an email to Bradley's house podcast at gmail.com immediately. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, you're not uh, kidding. That's what's so funny. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I'm serious. I'm gonna need those tapes. So it's Bradley's House Podcast at gmail.com. Um, so no, thank you again, Eric, for coming on, and uh, I hope everybody enjoyed listening as much as I did. Uh, it was it was tough to partake in in this podcast because I just wanted to sit and listen to all of the amazing stories, and and he certainly I, had them. I get it. I find that happening more and more to me now, where I just sort of lose myself in the stories that the people are telling and I forget that I'm supposed to be talking. Yeah, so. there's a, there's like something goes <laughs> silent. I'm like, what's going on with this show, man? Who's Oh, that's my turn to talk. Okay. So, yeah. What's no, up it, with it, this it, shitty podcast? Doesn't anyone yeah, seriously. <laughs> Where's the fucking house? Don't <laughs> get it together here. So, um, well, Kelly, we are approaching Fastly on our next Knoll Family Foundation show. We've talked about it a little bit. Sea Legs, August 20th in Huntington Beach. It's going to be a full celebration. It's going to be a full day of music and laughs. You're right there on the beach. I can't wait to be in Southern California for this show. Kelly, right now I am at uh, Casa de Fayuca in Arizona, and it is 249 degrees here in Arizona. Um, I, I don't know how people live like this. Um, and Gabo only wears button up shirts and pants all the time. Hardcore. That's super hardcore. Yeah. So I am excited 
uh, about August 20th at Sea Legs. Um, it's going to be a full celebration. Fayuka is going to be out there playing some music. Um, of course, Jacob, when we've got an event going, if he's around, he always shows up. So I'd expect to see Jake there playing some songs and um, shaking babies and kissing hands. Um, <laughs> we're going to have, of course, uh, Casey Sullivan and the crew from Burritos are going to be out there giving us all our sublime fix. Yes. Uh, just an amazing lineup. And guys, you never know what you're going to get at the these Noel Family Foundation events, because honestly, sometimes we don't know <laughs> what we're going to get. Sometimes last minute, Jason DeVore shows up or Rass One wants to play a couple songs. Or, so just what never know. Is, is August 20th, Sea Legs, Huntington Beach. And uh, Kelly, just a reminder, what's it cost to get a ticket to that show? Absolutely nothing. This is a free show courtesy of our good friends at Sea Legs who are making a donation to the foundation in lieu of any sort of uh, a ticket price. And so we're so grateful to them for that. Of course, super grateful to all the artists that are playing and super stoked to have everybody come out. So everyone come out. Have a great time. Spend the day at the beach. We'll be there from 2 in the afternoon till 10 at night. It is such a great venue. Anybody who's never been there, you are literally right on the beach in the sand. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Just a great day hanging out. We'll have all our merch there. Of course, we'll have our new Bradley's House Blend coffee there. Big thanks to our good friend Kevin Shin and North County Roastery down in Oceanside. They did a phenomenal job. I am absolutely loving that coffee. I know I talk about it all the time, but I, I'm seriously loving that coffee. And I'm getting so much great feedback. So if you haven't grabbed a bag yet, go onto our website. You can buy it on there. It's all super fresh roasted. And um if, of course, if you're in the Oceanside area in North San Diego, make sure you stop by North County Roastery, the Switchboard Restaurant, and um, say hi to our good friends down there. Yeah. Well, Kelly, you're not alone. I'll tell you, uh, I showed up in Arizona. I got to Gabo's house. It was morning time. His kids were running around going crazy, as children do. He was making coffee. And, of course, he was using the Bradley's House coffee. And Love that. You know, I'm sure everybody who travels realizes that, especially when you're traveling on these little commuter airlines, they charge you an arm and a leg for any kind of extra baggage. So I stuffed all my clothes for this little trip right into my backpack, and I shot over here to go to some shows and, and hang out with Gabo. And as I walk in the door, he goes, oh, man, actually, I'm, I was just using this coffee here. I'm, I'm all out. Uh, do you have uh -oh. any? And I just kind of looked at the backpack that was over my shoulders <laughs> and I slid it off and I started to unzip it. And I went, yeah, how many bags did you need? And he goes, Oh, really? I said, no, I don't have any coffee. No family That's where you get the coffee from. You think I traveled here with bags of coffee? So um, actually it would have been nice. You could have been selling it the whole way. <laughs> right. Well, you know, God, you gotta give me a heads up here. I don't just I'm not <laughs> anticipating this. So for all of uh, for everyone that's listening, if you see me on the streets, I don't have the coffee, but the knollfamilyfoundation.org certainly does have it available as well as, as uh, the North County Roastery there in Oceanside. So those are the places that it is available. But you are not alone in, in loving this coffee. So yeah. uh, make sure you stop out. See us at Sea Legs. 
enjoy the weather, enjoy the beach, check out some music, see a bunch of our friends, don't get a picture with Kelly, buy some merch, all the <laughs> stuff that you can do at any event that we are out at. Make sure you stop out and do that. We're looking forward to seeing you guys. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun time. I'm really looking forward to it. Going to try to get my dad out there for a little bit. Not sure if if he'll make it. It is kind of a long day and it's a little difficult to get to for someone that's not super mobile these days. But um, yeah, hoping to get Pops there too. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Dad, I, would you just leave the beach that you live on that's nice and comfortable <laughs> and come out to this beach for the day? That's so yeah, I understand. Well, so he, he always wants to come to everything, but you know, as you get older, you just can't do it all. So we'll see. If he comes, it'll be great. If he doesn't, I totally understand. Absolutely. Uh, so, so that's that. Uh, now, Kelly, um, of course, you had mentioned all of the merch that we're going to have out at Sea Legs. And again, I've mentioned it a few times. It's always available on our website, uh, thenollfamilyfoundation.org. It's a lot to type in. I totally understand it. Our wonderful producer, Anna, is always nice enough to include the link for our link tree in the description of the show. So you just click yes. on the description. You click on that link. It'll get you to all things Noel Family Foundation, podcast related, and all the information. You can follow us, keep track, and find out how you can help be a part of us getting the very first Bradley's house up and open. Kelly, we had an awesome conversation with Eric. Um, He talked so much about uh, the diversity of their band and and Long Beach as a whole and all the different things that were going on. And everybody knows that we end with a song. And after listening to Eric and talk about everything and the vibes and thinking about some of the songs that we haven't had a chance to play today, I think I have the perfect song to let everybody out to. And actually, it's, uh, it's one of my favorites. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. On your way out, go ahead and enjoy Bradley Nolan Sublime doing KRS-One. Until next time, I'm Jared Orr. She's Kelly Noel. You don't have to go home, but it's time to leave Bradley's house. How about, like, KRS-One? Really cool. Yeah! Hamburgers and steak Elijah Muhammad or the welfare state But I know And I know who because KRS one Yeah, and I know And I know because of KRS one Dropping science, dropping history with a holy style, an intelligent scene, and I know. And I know because of KRS One. Yeah, and I know.
Cause we know I'm a pig on money if you hear the same old sound Watching will take hip hop to a higher ground And I know KRS one, yeah, and I know, and I know. Make it hard to live. I'm gonna make it hard to live. Oh, about as I begin to see what I. Changed keys on me somehow. I never claimed to be a musician, really. I always wanted to be a shipbuilder. Not a shipbuilder, a shipbuilder. Ship. Built ships. Wanted to sail around the world just because it's fucking round, you know? 33 and a third.